I, I am just overjoyed to, uh, to be with you tonight. And I, I just want you to know that you are making it. And I can't believe that we only have one more, one more large group of the semester after this. I didn't know if we were going to, and I didn't know what this would look like. But God, God has been at work and been faithful in so many ways. And we are continuing this series on his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, through the parables of Jesus, these stories that Jesus tells, his favorite stories that he tells because we're, we're people of story. But our stories are, are chaotic and confused until we see them in the light of his great story of the kingdom, which has at, at its pinnacle what we celebrate this week during Holy Week, the death and the resurrection of Jesus for us in love. And we talked last week, Ben was, ben was speaking on his, on his birthday about uh, the parable of the lost sheep from Luke 15, this shepherd who goes after the lost sheep and finds it and brings it back and celebrates. And tonight we're going to be looking at a parable about labor or, or work. Uh, I'm going to use the word labor because that's what's in the text, but I'll say work some. It means the same thing. But our, our work, the things that we do and the work that we are about in the world, and uh, you all work really hard, and so I think Jesus has a lot for us tonight. We're in Matthew 20, verses 1 to 16. Right at the end of Matthew 19, Jesus has said, I'll, I'll, I'll read it, Jesus has, has been talking, and he says at the end of Matthew 19, right before this, but many who are first will be last, and the last first, and then you'll hear almost that exact same phrase at the, at the end of this passage. And so, Jesus is wanting us to think about uh, who's first, who's last, who deserves what, who matters most. These are some of the questions we're going to be wrestling with tonight. So please follow along with me. It's on your screen from Matthew 20. This is Jesus speaking. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them, he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. And when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to these last workers as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. This is God's word. It's absolutely true and he gives it to us because he loves us. Let me pray and we'll jump in. Father, thank you for this night. Thank you for your kindness and your love to us. And we uh, have been working hard and we're weary and we need you. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be at work right now through your words so that we might know you and love you more and love one another. You're our only hope. In Jesus' name, amen. When, when's the last time you did a day of just really hard manual labor? 
Remember the last time that happened to you? Uh, we spent this Saturday working on some landscaping and garden chores at, at my house. And my job was to dig up uh, about eight azalea bushes from the flower beds in the front of my house. And, and azalea bushes that we have, they're, they're not that big. They're about this big around, and they're about three, three or four feet tall. And I was just going to, you know, just dig them up so we could plant some other stuff. And, and it just took me hours and hours and hours to do this. And it turns out that even though they're not that big, their roots go deep and they go wide. And it's really hard to get them out. And so I would dig with a shovel, a circle around the plant, and, you know, chopping away and pulling up roots as I went until I had this azalea bush on an island with no dirt around it. And then I would stick the shovel underneath and I would, I would pry it out. And I started doing this on the first one and I snapped the shovel in half. And thankfully we have another shovel and I tried using the second shovel and I snapped the second shovel in half. And I called Maggie who was at Lowe's getting flowers and I said, hey, get two shovels. And she brought two shovels and I got one of them and I snapped it in half trying to get azalea bushes out of my front, and I, I, I'm, Courtney is flexing at me. I was defeated by the azalea bushes is the point of my, is the point of my story. And the fourth one, I figured the finesse and the system and I finally got these things out. But I, I got to the end of this day and like my hands hurt and my back hurt and I was just covered in dirt and sweat, exhausted. And, and maybe you've had that experience of coming to the end of a day where you've worked so hard with your body that you are just exhausted and you have that sense of like, I deserve something a little special. I deserve maybe a nice meal. I deserve maybe a cold drink. I deserve a break. I'm going to watch whatever I want tonight on Netflix. And, and, and in this story, you've got people who have been working hard all day, not in the spring in Virginia, but in the ancient Near East. And it's hot. And, and they go out into this, into this vineyard. And so you, you get this story about hard work. But even though Jesus is talking about labor, he's talking about work. He's not really just talking about work. He's actually using it as, as a vehicle to talk about our hearts and to talk about his kingdom. And so we're going to look at, at what Jesus says about, about labor, but we're really going to be talking about his kingdom and our hearts. So there, there's three things I want to see tonight. First is this invitation to labor in the kingdom of heaven. The second is the value of our labor in the kingdom of heaven. And the third is the reward for our labor in the kingdom of heaven. Okay, The invitation and the value and the reward of our labor. So first... The invitation to our labor in the kingdom of heaven. And I want to focus here on the master of the house. Because one, one of the things that's interesting is even though this parable is about laborers in a field, the person whose work is described the most is the master. He, he wakes up early before the sun is, is up and he travels from his farm into the center of the town. I don't know how far that was, but some distance if he has a big enough vineyard to have all these people work for him. And he gets people to work for him. And then he goes again at the third hour. That's a few hours later. And he goes again at the sixth hour. That's noon. He goes again at the ninth hour. That's three in the afternoon. He goes again at about five o'clock as the sun is going. He goes five different times back and forth and back and forth. And so what you see in the master is this passionate eagerness to gather and include as many people as he can in what he is doing. A passionate eagerness to include as many people as he can in what he is doing. One of the questions, that, the sort of existential questions that we ask ourselves, and especially if you're a first year and you just went through, you went through Rush this weekend, but really for all of us, we ask the kind of question like, does anyone want me? Is anyone looking for me? Does anyone think I 
matter. And the message of this passage is that in this master's eyes, you are wanted. He wants you. And in fact, in his kingdom, the thing he wants you for isn't just a job, isn't just a thing you do until the sun goes down and then you leave. He wants to gather you to his kingdom, to a life with him, to a family, to a community, to a purpose, which is what the labor in the vineyard represents, the work of his kingdom. Jesus is passionately eager to gather as many as he can to what he is doing in the world and to the labor of his vineyard. And the labor that Jesus is about is love. It's love. And it's something as, as, we, as we go into Holy Week, which you may, you may know that this is Holy Week. It's the week in between Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday. It's the week that we celebrate the, the greatest acts in the history of the universe, the death and the resurrection of Jesus This is the story this week of the work of love as Jesus goes to the cross after serving his disciples and washing their feet. He goes to the cross and he takes on the death that you and I deserve. That is the the greatest work of love that has ever happened. And he loves you with that passion and he gathers you to him with that kind of eagerness because he wants to make you into an agent of his love in the world as those who are beloved. So the invitation to labor is the invitation to be in the experience of the love of Jesus and to be empowered to be an agent of the love of Jesus. And he is passionate about gathering you to that purpose. That's the invitation to our labor. Secondly, tonight, the the value of our labor. And the first question we ask is, does does anybody want me? The second question is, is the stuff that I'm doing in the world, does it matter? Does the stuff that I am doing in the world matter? Does my schoolwork really matter? Does my practice really matter? Do my hobbies and do my extracurriculars, do my relationships, does the food that I eat, does the way I treat my body, or the applications that I'm filling out in the job, I mean, does this stuff matter? Or is it just meaningless? Because so much of the work that we do feels tedious, and it feels repetitive, and it feels like there's no obvious consequence that's good for us. It just seems like stuff we have... To do. And if you think that's the case now, it will definitely feel like that when you get a job after college. And so I want you to think back to this master of the vineyard, this person who is running back and forth all day because he's so passionate about gathering workers. Do you think that the work that they did matters to him? It, it seems like it must have mattered if he's spending all day running back and forth to gather more and more of them And the reason that their work matters to him is because that vineyard is his. It belongs to him. And of course, in the kingdom of heaven, all things, all the earth is God's. It belongs to him. And we are his children and we belong to him. So the work that you are doing, the tedious work that you are doing, the repetitive work that you are doing, the work that doesn't seem to have any consequence in the world, it actually really matters Because you matter to Jesus. And if there's one thing I want you to remember tonight, it's that everything that you do matters because you matter to Jesus. Everything you do matters because you matter to Jesus. And his vision for his kingdom is that the entire world would be caught up in this work of his, this labor of love, of gathering and extending love to to everyone. And so he says, you're going to do that through every part of your life. You're going to do that through your homework. 
You're going to do that through your relationships. You're going to do that through your body. You're going to do that with your money. You're going to do that with your time. You're going to do that with your hobbies and the closing. Every single part of your life matters because you matter to Jesus. And, and one of the things that we, that we struggle with, and if, if you're not a Christian, I don't know how this is going to sound to you. If you are a Christian, we, I think we struggle with this in the exact same ways that anyone in the world would struggle with. But we tend to believe that things matter because of what they accomplish. We tend to think that the things that we do matter in terms of what they achieve for us, right? So our schoolwork matters because it will lead us to good grades, which will lead us to good internships, which will lead us to good jobs, which will lead us to good lifestyles, right? The things that we do matter because of what they achieve for us. And one of the claims of the Bible is that that stuff, those consequences in this life are just not enough. If for no other reason than this life does not last that long. And the thing that is worthy of giving worth to your work is the love of Jesus who says, you matter to me. We're, we're coming to this, but I think that's why the laborers who worked one hour get paid the same as the laborers who worked all day. Like, they didn't achieve as much, right? They didn't accomplish as much. They didn't contribute as much. But they matter just as much to the master. That's the value of our labor. Lastly tonight, we're going to look at the reward of our labor. And this is sort of the confounding and confusing part of the story because what we see is, is unfair rewards for the work that people do. This is an unfair situation. And I want you to try to put yourself in, back in that, in that day that you worked all day, okay? Maybe it was on construction. Maybe it was in your garden. Maybe it was as a camp counselor in a hot field, whatever it might have been, okay? A day that you worked really hard all day long in the sun, and I want you to imagine that you're in that kind of mode and you're about to get paid and you've got these people who come in like seven or eight hours after you've been working. And there's not even really that much for them to do. They're just sort of tidying up after the work that you've done. Like they don't even have any dirt on their jeans. Like they don't even, they didn't even break a sweat. And they get the same reward. They get the same pay that you got. Like, can you feel how mad they would have been? How unfair this would have seemed? Have you been a part of a group project where someone didn't pull their weight, but they got the same grade that you did because you covered for them, right? And this is really powerful, I think, because we spend a lot of time thinking about what we deserve and what other people deserve. Do you know what I'm talking about? We spend a lot of time thinking about what we are due, what we are entitled to do, what our labels have earned, and then sort of judging other people and determining you know, what they deserve, what they earn. And we do this so much that sometimes when we see our friends succeed and achieve and accomplish and be rewarded, it can even be hard to be happy for them, and instead we just feel jealous. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know you do. We spend a lot of time assuming that our labor... And our lives matter more than other people. And, and this is the cause of all kinds of strife and brokenness in, in our lives and in our relationships. This is, this is problems with things like racism in the world. Because you've got here people who think that others deserve less than them because they worked a different amount of hours. And if it's easy for the human heart to do that, how easy is it for the human heart to look at someone whose skin is a different color? Or who has a different level of education? or has different future earnings in their career, or dresses differently from them, and coming to the conclusion that because of what they are about in their life, they deserve a little bit less than what I deserve in my life. And what we see in this passage is the reality that in the kingdom of heaven, there is a radical equality. 
Everyone gets the same reward, even though not everyone achieved the same thing. And it goes back to what we said. It's because it's not their work that makes them matter. It's not your work that makes you matter. You matter because you matter to Jesus. Because he made you and he loves you and he gave his life for you. And as I think about this story and this sort of unfair reward that seems unfair, I think if I was standing there, I would say, this, this is not right. And sometimes in, in the Bible when people grumble or people complain, it's like, come on, man, if I had been there, I would have totally trusted Jesus. But if I was in this situation, I think I would be pretty angry. And then I, and then I have to reflect, and I want to challenge you to, to do this too this week, to reflect on if there, if there are people in your life or groups in your life or in your community or in the world who you are tempted to think deserve less than you because of some reason that to you seems pretty legitimate. One of the things that Ben reminded us of last week is, is this, this concept of repentance, of recognizing your sin and asking God for forgiveness and trying to turn away. That, uh, that's what we need to do when we have this sense of other people deserve less than me or, or where we're mostly focused on what we deserve. Everyone in the kingdom of God gets equal reward because their labor matters equally because they matter equally. And that might seem like it's unfair, but fairness in the kingdom of heaven is the radical, abundant generosity and grace of Jesus. That's what fairness is. Justice in the kingdom of heaven is the abundant and radical generosity and grace of Jesus. And the reward that we get is not just a day's a day's wages. That's what a denarius is. That's what you get paid for one day of hard labor. Our reward is Jesus himself. Our reward is the presence and the love now and forever of the king who through his labor of love died for us. So I think the work that we have to do, the work that we're called to as Christians as we consider our work is to look at the things that are motivating us. Why do you do the things that you do? Why are you working hard? Why are you striving for things in your life? And to recognize the places where those things are are motivated by what we get out of it. And we work hard to try to replace those motivations with love. With what Jesus says is the greatest commandment, which is love for God and love for others. So that we might seek a a job or a position so that we can love the world through the work that we are doing. So that we can try to be like Jesus was to us. Like he called his people to be in Genesis 12. A blessing to the whole world. It's actually the only motivation that will sustain you. Because when you start to accomplish your goals in life. When you start to get success and achievement. You realize that you're always hungry for more. You never get enough to be satisfied. And only love is the thing that can satisfy you. Abiding in the love of Jesus and seeking to love others in everything that you do. It all matters because it can all be work of love. I've, uh, I've recently become interested in Formula One racing because of a Netflix mini documentary series about Formula One racing, which you may have seen on Netflix. You should check it out. And if you, if you don't know about Formula One, Formula One is sort of the apex and pinnacle of the whole world of, of motorsports and car racing. And to, to call them cars is a little deceiving because these things are more like spaceships than they are cars. They're, they're just, there's incredible amounts of uh, technology and engineering and testing 
and money that go into these teams and these cars that go, you know, can just zip around corners at 200 miles an hour. And in the world of Formula One, at the, at the top, at F1, there's only 20 cars in the whole thing. So there's only 20 drivers, the, the top 20 in the world, and there's only 10 teams. Each, each team has two cars and two drivers. And, and last year, there was a, a driver for one of the teams named Roman Grosjean. And out of those 20 drivers, Roman was in 19th place. And his team, Team Haas, out of those 10 teams, was in last place. And during the season, he was told that he was fired. And so even though he would complete the season, he was told about midway that he wouldn't be driving the next year. So if this is a guy who's in last place about on the worst team, knowing that he doesn't have a future. And, and on one of the, the final races, the third to last race was a, was a race in Bahrain. And on the very first lap, before he even got to full speed, his tire clipped the tire of a car next to him, and he slammed into a metal barrier going 119 miles an hour. Went from 119 miles an hour to, to stopped instantaneously. Uh, the report that, that the F1 released said that the force of that was 67 Gs. So that's like 67 times the weight of gravity. So whatever you weigh, he felt like he weighed 67 times that in that moment. And even though these cars are supposed to be basically indestructible and fireproof, the force of the impact snapped his car in half. And it ruptured the fuel tank, and, and this fuel immediately burst into flames. And he was uh, in his wrecked cockpit, covered uh, in, in a fireball. And when he sort of came to his senses a few seconds into this, his left foot was stuck because of the car, and he couldn't get out. And he was stuck in this fireball for 27 seconds, which may not seem like a long time, but if you were in a fireball, that's a long time. And if it's your husband who's in the fireball, it's, it's a long time. If it's your dad who's in the fireball, it's a long time. But 11 seconds, this is kind of incredible, 11 seconds after the impact, this uh, rescue truck screeched into place 11 seconds later. And these guys got out and started fighting the fire. And they have these, these special fire extinguishers, and they're spraying them at full blast, and the fire is not going down at all because it's not just something on fire. It's a full tank of fuel, and it's not just unleaded gasoline, right? I don't know what they use, but it's highly combustible, high-performance Formula One racing fuel. And he's in this fireball, and he's been there 27 seconds, but 11 seconds in, these guys come in. You can see them spraying, and there's these guys. There's, there's a guy who keeps trying to get to him, and they'll spray, and the flames will go down for a second, and he gets close, and then the flames go up, and he can't, he can't get back. Uh, and, and eventually, after 27 seconds, he, he managed to slip his left foot out of his boot, his racing boot, which was stuck. So he pulled his foot out, put his hands on, the, on the, the, the bar that kept him from hitting his head, where his hands immediately caught on fire. He pulled himself out, and he sort of just jumped. And this guy was there, and he caught him, and he rescued him. And he, he's okay. And he burned his hands, and he, he had some minor injuries, but he actually survived this thing. And I was thinking about this as I, as I reflected on this, on this text today. You know, they didn't, they didn't see this crash and say, you know what, that's, uh, that's Roman Grosjean. He's like in 19th place. And uh, he hasn't won a race. He hasn't even gotten like in the top five all year. He didn't even finish a lap. I, I don't know if he's worth saving, right? No, they, 11 seconds later, they were there on the scene to rescue him because he matters because he's one of them. Because he's a person just like you and me. Because when it comes down to it, as hard as it can be for us to believe, the things that we accomplish are not what tell us that the things we do matter. You matter and everything you do matters 
because you matter to Jesus. And he is passionately, eagerly gathering you and as many as he can to him in love to come and be a part of his kingdom of love and to be agents of love in the world. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we praise you that you scream into our lives with love. In seconds, you are with us wherever we are. And Lord Jesus, we praise you that you say we matter. That you say we are valuable. That you say you love us. That you say there is beauty and goodness in us because we are children of God made in his image. And Lord, I pray that you would be with us in the, in the struggles of life, in the places where we feel like we're stuck in flames, in the places where we feel like we're not getting anywhere, in the places we feel like nobody wants us and no one sees us and nothing we do matters, would you remind us that you love us so much, that we matter to you so much, that you came to this world to establish your kingdom of love and to die and to rise again from the dead to redeem us to you. I pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.